There's another, there's another name if you need to put on your prayer list, and that's Bill White and Barry White. Um, they showed up to, for services this evening, and Bill was not able to get out of the car, and so Mary took him back home. So it's just, he has trouble with the catching his breath, so you need to keep Bill and, I mean, Bill and Mary White in our prayers as well. Uh, help them to comfort them. That's what we sung about, wasn't it? Uh, when a brother has a sorrow, we can shed a tear and encourage them as they have that opportunity. may wonder why I chose a lesson such as this for tonight. Since I said, what do you look for in a church? You look for good singing. Now there's a lot of things for us to consider. And how we look and how we design. And I know there's reasons for every decision that is made for one to either identify with or for one to not identify with a particular congregation for the uh, responsibility, obligations, and the encouragement that we can give. Oh, and by the way, it's good to see Herman England with us tonight as well. Uh, <coughs> we make choices as much as we know we ought not to, but oftentimes we make choices based upon what we see with the physical eye. And that's sometimes sad, that we have the superficial desire to find out what can they do for me, as opposed to what can we do for the Lord? So we wrestle at times. And Paul, in writing to the Corinthians in that first letter and in the 12th chapter, in a section that, again, we well know and look at, but Paul is reminding the Corinthians who had gotten into making decisions based upon different circumstances and fail to, they fall into pettiness, if you will. Since I can't do that, hmm, I'm not going to do anything. Why do you get to do that? And where's your place? I've got a better job than you got. I get more attention than you do. It goes on. And it's a shame because we forget that we are God's people. And we're to be Christ-like. So as it's right into him in that 12th chapter down in verse 12 and following. Whereas the body is one and has many members, but all the members of the, that one body being many are one body, and so is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all have been made 
to drink into one spirit. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not the, an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't have need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much more rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body having given the greater honor to that part which, which it lacks. That there should be no schisms in the body, that all the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Where if one member is honored, all the members rejoice in it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. I would have to assume that the Corinthians receiving that note or this letter of Paul would have their conscience pricked. For what you see them doing is exactly what the world does. And we're not of the world, we're of Christ. Jesus in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane had prayed that his disciples may be one as he and the Father are one. And you think about that for a while. The mindset. You think about striving to have the mindset that God has and of how he works and how he functions. And it's hard. The human nature wants to get in the way. Well, you cannot do that to me. You're not going to play by my rules. I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to go home. Kids used to do that at times. You know, if I can't be on the team, nobody's going to get to play with the ball. Whatever it is, when we do it spiritually, 
The shame that it has to bring upon God and upon Christ and upon the Holy Spirit. And it's a shame that it's displayed to the world. Both in the universal sense of how the world views religion, Christianity, and that broad scope that's not accurate, but that broad scope of so many different religious bodies that exist. You know, you cannot agree with yourselves, and why should we want to be a part of that? We can already do that here. We already have places where you can go and you can disagree and argue and everything else. But for the body of Christ to do that, and then to air it in the public. Paul is saying that ought not to be. We are one with God and one with Christ and one with the Spirit. Have this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. Paul would tell the Philippians in Philippians 2, verse 11 and following. When you read that passage, it's a sobering passage to read. Have this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. This is an attitude. This is a characteristic. This is a mindset that you are to have. And if you want to know about the mind of Christ, just read the Gospels. John 1, 11, 12, down through there for one, and then elsewhere. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But when his own did not receive him not, he did not pack up his bag and say, I'm gone. Forget you. He worked with them, loved them, sacrificed for them, died for them, rose again for them, sits at the right hand of the throne of God, <coughs> desiring to be their mediator when they're willing to come to God through Christ. So what do we look for as we go through looking for a place to visit? And we mentioned, many of us mentioned that in times gone by. It, it's, a different, it's a different world out there now. It used to be you didn't have to worry about it. You drove somewhere and you wanted to stop and worship us at Church of Christ, you knew you were okay. But they don't always do that. Lived in a part of Illinois that had a lot of churches for Christ, but they were Christian churches. And we invited a group of their preachers to come meet with us and talk for a while. Not much came out of it, one thing did. They asked about, how come you wear the name of Church of Christ and you don't change it to a Christian church? And the response from one of their preachers was they just loved to see the reaction of a member of the body of Christ walk into that auditorium and see that organ sitting there. And then see him turn around and walk out. They just wanted the torment. By any stretch of any imagination, if that's the way God's people should act, What do we look for? Do we look for size? 
You want a large size, large size congregation so you can get lost in the shuffle? Get it segment, segmented, and so this group don't know anything about that group, and that group over here don't know anything about this group over here. We don't get set, do we? <clears throat> what pews we sit in? But I think we know one another. And it's this reminder to us in this body of Christ to see what God wants from us. Christ did not think equality with God a thing to be grasped. He was willing to empty himself and to take on the form of a servant. I don't know about you, that boggles my mind. That really does. It's just really hard to wrap around the concept that the one who was involved in the creation of the universe, that the one who was involved in the creation of mankind and then of all creation, would not think that doing the lowliest task that was assigned to a servant that he could not do. Humbled himself. That's us. Do we have this mind in us? Ours is here to serve. Sometimes we get set on where we're going to serve, how we're going to serve, what areas we're going to serve in. I was telling a group earlier, at the recent issue of the Gospel Advocate for this month, and the whole issue deals with congregational singing, with different individuals writing on it. And the, the owner of the Gospel Advocate has an article that he writes each week or each month in there. And his was basically, he began, he said, I've lived in Nashville all my life. I've grown up here. I love music. I love all different types of music. Enjoy hearing it and singing. And he said, but I cannot sing. He said, when he's with the congregation that he serves as an elder now, he said when they first got there, he had to fill out the paperwork. What are you willing to do? And he gets to check off things. He was checking them off and finally wrote at the bottom of the page. He said, I will do anything you ask me to do except these singing. He said, I don't do that. Uh, he said, but I love music. But I know my limitation. But he knows there are others who can. Doesn't matter what it is. You come down, and the other one was mentioned during the war, when all the men were off the war. They had one man that was a song leader, mon monotone. So you deal with what you have. Uh, I've been in congregations when I was the only male there. And guess what you get to do? You get to lead singing. So it's a part of life. But does that matter? Where I serve? Does it really make that much difference? You know, I've joked about going through the states that had the letter M in them. And I got through four of them and I quit. Well, the other four were up north. And I don't want to have to go through those. But does it matter? I said, we get trapped sometimes. Here's where I want to be. This is what I want to do, and I don't want to change. Does it matter where you serve here on this earth as long as you're serving God?
Does it make that much difference? We're God's people. And I like verse 18. And God has placed the members in the body just as he desired. I like that. In other words, God got you where he wants you to be. But also, God may be preparing you for another place. Prayerfully not. I want to keep all of you. But I'm simply saying, ours is through the human pride says, well, this is what I want to do. Here's what I'm going to do. But do, do we listen to God? Jesus goes on to say, my meat or my food is to do the will of the Father. The works that I do are not mine, but the Father through me. Wow. It's not me, he says. It's God, the Father. What it is he wants me to do, that's what I do. And I deal with these. Again, read John 13. The washing of the feet of the disciples. We have the same care for one another. Jesus did not exclude Judas from having his feet washed. Jesus did not exclude Peter when he failed in walking on the water. They were part of what he wanted. Do I have that desire? It's not what position. The servant in those days and what Jesus was describing as well is the servant's main goal, sole purpose, was to serve the master wherever it went. He used the parable. The laborers out in the field, the servants out in the field, doing the field, they come in at night, and he says, go and prepare my meal. That's what Jesus did. He went that mile, he went that extra mile in serving God. And then he says, I'm the head of the body. And how can you fight among one another? You ever see a human being whose body was not under control of the head? It's not a pretty sight. It's a heartbreaking sight when the hands, the feet, whatever it is that had to been restrained to keep them from harming themselves. It's not a pleasant sight. How sometimes must we look before God when he sees us doing that? Fighting and squabbling with each other not listening to the head and not listening to where the head would point us to. His word. Here is what you need. And I put you where you are so that you can contribute to at this particular time to contribute to the body of Christ here. 
and to be willing to do those things that God would have us to do. Remembers of one another. Are we looking for a church to where the gospel is being preached? Again, people look for different reasons. They look for popularity, they look for style, they look for this, they look for that. But oftentimes do they look to hear the gospel preach. There's been times when we've had to get up and walk out of the building. You know about that. Because the gospel's not being preached. And as Bill White tells me every time he sees me, basically, tell him about it. You're thinking about wanting to be in heaven. Who do you think is going to be in heaven with you? Do you not believe it's going to be you? Excuse me. Do you not believe it's going to be you? Why do we not want to know each other down here? We're going to spend eternity with each other up in heaven. Why do we fight that? What a sweet fellowship. Is it a sweet fellowship? Ours is the sweet fellowships comes from the surrendering of the will to the will of the master. That's a sweet fellowship. A sweet fellowship is the serving of one another, the reaching out and touching one another. A lot of it is done by individuals who choose not to want to be recognized. So I won't embarrass you. But they do things simply because that's what they want to do. It's what they can do. Every one of us has limitations of what we're able to do. But there's always something that we can do. What did James say about the prayer of a righteous man or a righteous person? Being able to accomplish much? Never know what the prayers do and how they work in our lives. Do we have that trust in God to say, here's how it works. In the physical world, we already know all of this. Many of us had no idea what we were going to do when we grew up. But whatever it was, as children, you could not really conceive of yourself at your age now, <laughs> what you'd be due. Uh, you, you, you can't conceive of what you would go through to get to where we are now. And if that's true looking back, why is it not true looking forward? I'm not sure what's all out there. But all I do know is if I go out there hand in hand with the Lord, what's the problem? So I get to try something new that I haven't done before. I remember the time the first walk through a maximum security prison entranceway. 
and hear them steel doors clang behind you. What that feeling was like. Not what I chose to do. But that's where the door was open. Saying you go through the open doors. A lot of times we're looking for a different doorway. I don't want one back here. That's the water coming out. Uh, but you just look around. I mean, I, I want to go through right there. And I've got my eyes set on going through right there. Because that's where I want to go. That I forget that God has provided a door down here. But I don't want to go down here. I want to go up there. What am I doing? I'm a servant. The servant says, go through the, the, the master says, go through the door. Well, then go through the door. He guides you. He helps you. He strengthens you. We're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that the Lord has done, that we ask of the Lord. Ephesians 3.20. Do we trust him on that? He is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Are we looking for that in our lives? Are we looking at what the teaching is in a congregation? How sound is it? That's solid. How solid is the teaching? Is it based on God's word? Because that's what we must have. We do not give our all to God. We have not given God anything. He wants the all. Again, could you imagine Jesus making the agreement with God before time began that I'll go down and be the sacrifice? Then as time begins to unfold, says, you know, I've got second thoughts about this. He's in agreement with the Father. Yea, he prayed in that garden. But what was his prayer? Not my will, but thine be done. And I love it after that because basically after those words were said, Jesus rose up, faced the trial in the crucifixion, and basically did not utter many other words. Silent before the council that was charging him. Why? This is the Father's will. He answered his son in that garden, prostrate on the ground, agonizing to the point of death. You read those terms in the Gospels of that prayer. Oh, that doesn't cause you to shed some tears. Your heart needs to be touched again. For you, he cried and agonized over that choice that had to be done. And then he was willing to do it. That's it. Willing to do it. He says, rise up. Let us go. The betrayer's here. Now, now it's unfolding. Let's go on through it. Doing the will of the Father. Is that indeed what we really want to do? We want to be in a place where righteousness, peace, and joy abound.
we keep reminding ourselves periodically, you know, the elders do when they get up here, it says, just because we're in a funeral home doesn't mean that we need to act like it's a funeral service. Got to be joy in the heart. We have the scriptures that touch our heart. We have the scriptures that touch our soul that cause us to desire to repent and do God's will. We all have that spirit as well that says, it's a joy. Psalm 118, 24. What's it say? This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us, what? Be solemn? Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And in the songs that we sing, we ought to sing along that way. I've been in places when They've chosen to sing, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Is there no, any emotion in that? <laughs> no. Is there not any joy in serving and, and pleasing God? Who hears the singing? God hears the singing. He hears that inner voice, which I'm grateful for. You get to hear the outer voice, and I'm sorry for that. But God hears the inner voice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let the Lord know how much you love him. Recognize how blessed you are. How enriched you are. And what a great responsibility he's laid upon you. Because you have the riches of God. You are to share those riches with those who stand in need. And they're all around us. Now what Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look. Don't say there's four months and then the harvest is coming. I'm saying lift up your eyes and look. The harvest is already here. There are already souls out there that are wait, waiting to be touched and be contacted. Who will go for the master? And who will make reply? Here am I, Lord. Send me. Are we willing to be sent? But as you're sent, even if you're the only one, you're never the only one because God is always with his people. Look at God's word. Look at the changes he would want us to make. Be willing to make them. To make them out of love. Because that again is what God would do, would want us to do, to be pleasing in, in his sight. Throw me the good ones now. Which one is it? Why keep Jesus waiting? I was looking at what would your answer be. But Jesus is tenderly calling. But Jerry chose, why keep Jesus waiting? Why do you keep Jesus waiting? Why? Do you not know the depths of his love for you? Why do you keep him waiting? He always stands ready to receive a child who has allowed the world to sneak in and begin to destroy the spirituality of a person. Why would we keep Jesus waiting from turning to him and not listening to that other voice? That voice will always be there. 
You have to learn to tune the voice out of Satan. You need to learn where the pathway is and focus, focus there and do the bidding of God while there's yet time. There's no greater joy. There's no greater work. There's no greater blessing. And there's no greater reward than being a child of the living God. Is that your thought and wish this evening? Is there a need to make a change? Sometimes it just needs to be made privately. Sometimes it needs to be made publicly. Make the life right with God. Let him be your master. You be the servant. Again, the reward is out of, heaven, out, of, out of this world. It's heaven. We could assist you. We could help you. Indeed, we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.